to wine spirits and witches sounds kind of weird when it's just me saying it huh guys welcome to my new segment for patreon this is shauna by the way um i haven't decided on a name for it yet i was thinking booze with booze shauna's spookies i don't know um we're just we're gonna wing it tonight and if you guys have ideas of what i should call this like help me out comment below and let me know what you think send me a message and we will just get through it together. But basically, as some of you, or maybe all of you know, I used to be a paranormal investigator. I still have a fondness for the dead, all things spooky and haunted. And I try and make it a point to go to as many haunted places as I can while I'm traveling. I think it's a really interesting way to get to know local history of the place that you're visiting and sometimes like really like infamous history there's different places that we've all heard of so it's a really cool kind of experience to to do it's a different kind of tourism but you know the cool thing is is that there's also haunted stuff in our own backyards like all the time so basically once a month I'm going to come to you guys and I'm going to tell you the history and the story of a haunted place that either I went to because I know it's haunted or a place that I had an experience at. And we are going to just travel down this spooky rabbit hole together. And let me fucking tell you, do I have a rabbit hole to go down tonight? For our very first episode, I wanted to talk about a cemetery that's actually local to me here in the San Fernando Valley. A lot of places around the country have really beautiful old cemeteries with these gorgeous headstones and it's not gated at night. So that's where you get to hear all these cool stories about like, you know, teenagers having nannies in this graveyard with Ouija boards and all this other shit. We don't get that in Los Angeles. Most of our headstones are flat and like flush with the earth and everything closes right at sundown. Um, and so this is a place that I, I knew was going to have some kind of history because it's old. But I was not ready for all of the crazy shit that I found out. So everyone, hold on to your butts because it's going to be a wild ride. I'm going to talk to you guys tonight about Pierce Brothers Valhalla Memorial Park. This is right in, I guess it's technically Burbank. It could be North Hollywood depending on where you look at it because it's kind of like right on the border. It's also next to the Burbank Airport. Uh, that kind of comes in a little bit later and will make more sense. But a little bit about this place. Um, like I said, I was telling you guys about like the flat headstones. This is actually one of the pioneers of the flat headstones. This is like they, they started doing that when it was still like this brand new thing versus like the tall stand up ones that we normally see that are iconic. I just thought that was kind of interesting because I don't know if I've seen headstones like that anywhere else in the country. I feel like everywhere else I've gone, they they like stand up or there's some kind of like statue or different thing like that. But in Los Angeles, like there, it tends to be like headstones that are flush with the ground. And I don't know what the reason for that is, but this is one of the cemeteries that was a pioneer for that. And that could also be because it's actually a San Fernando Valley's oldest cemetery. And let me just say, we do have some like famous or like ritzy and kind of cooler spooky cemeteries here in Los Angeles. This is not one of them. I feel like it's a very like understated one. So to find out that it was the oldest one was a surprise to me. 
So go ahead, hold on to your butts, and let's go. So this cemetery was founded by these two guys named John Osborne and C.C. Fitzpatrick. We're just going to call them Osborne and Fitzpatrick. And they founded this, I want to call it 1923. Yes, in 1923. And it was originally 65,000 acres, which is pretty insane if you ask me. They did later sell some of it off. We'll get to that a little bit later. But they just basically bought this fucking huge piece of land. And they were like, let's make some motherfucking money. And that was their plan. That's all they like really knew to do. So they decided that they were going to turn it into a cemetery, which didn't exactly make sense because this land was super hard to get to. And it was also really far away from the mortuaries in Los Angeles. They probably thought that was a good reason, though, that because it was hard to get to for it to be a cemetery, because like, you know, what are you going to do? Build a fucking grocery store there? No one's going to want to deal with that. But That'd be really hard to haul a dead body down like this dirt road, like all the way over here. It's super out of the way. For those of you that don't know, the San Fernando Valley, when it first started, was all orchard. It was just like orange groves, basically. At the time that this was going on in the 20s, it was like orange groves and dairy farms and apparently a giant fucking cemetery right in the middle of all of it. Here's the thing. These guys actually had no idea how to run a cemetery at all. They didn't know what they were doing. They just knew that they wanted to make money. And let's be real. These guys were pricks. You're going to find out later. Total jerks. So they got some salesmen together and they started this whole sales pitch and we're telling people like we are experienced. What would it be? Cemeteriers? Like, I don't know. Cemetery owners. We run cemeteries. We know what we're doing. We've totally done this before. Duh. They didn't know what the fuck they were doing. Not at all. So they were going around and they were scamming people out of money by selling these grave plots, not because the people were doing it to like be laid to rest later. They were being pitched this like, listen, if you give us $400 right now, I promise you that within 90 days, I'll be able to give you $5,000 on your investment. And they had salespeople going around doing this. Like they were really kind of going after older people and widows. Those were like their big like target target uh, target victims fuck that these people were victims they weren't audience um one dude actually even like sold his business to invest in these these grave plots that he was like told were gonna be like a really great and intelligent smart investment um but their whole pitch with it outside of just being like really experienced cemetery people were um you know they were telling people oh Los Angeles is going to get so big. It's going to get so overcrowded. Literally, that was probably the only honest thing these fuckers said, like, in their entire life. But they were telling people that the county of Los Angeles wasn't going to open any more cemeteries. So it's like, this is it. If you want to be buried or you want to be able to sell this and make some money, this is how you do it because there's going to be no other cemeteries. Uh, They were also saying that a lot of the people that were coming to Los Angeles were really old and sickly. So they're like, this is going to be so easy to just sell it to like these dead people that are like almost dead people that are showing up in L.A. Like, you know, just sell it to them. So all these people just fucking hopped on board and they did this for like three. No, they only did this for a year. Right. And in that time, they made somewhere between three and five million dollars in the 20s. You know how much money that is now? That's like almost $50 million. Okay, but so you might be asking, like, how is this scandalous when all they're doing is selling grave grave plots, right? Well, here's the thing. One of those fucking graves, they have tracked down the deed to 16 different owners. 
Yes, they sold the same plot 16 times, varying from anything from $450 to $5,000 each time that they sold it. And that's just one. So who knows how many of these other ones that they really did get busted for selling multiple plots. But then like a year into this, the investors were like, hey, it's been over 90 days. I don't have a gajillion dollars yet. What's happening? So they actually went to the cemetery, which must have been like a really big trek back then to like go down like through all of these fucking farms and orange groves, this dirt road to get to this. And what's there? Nothing. Fucking nothing. I think there were like a couple employees kind of like mulling about, but like nothing was going on. That's when these people started realizing that they were getting scammed and they were very, very mad. So what did they do? They gathered at town hall. They gathered at like courts and shit and did whatever it is that angry people that got scammed do. And they, this was all in 1924. So remember, they opened this place in 1923. So in 1924, they're already busted, already made three to five million dollars. They thought they were so fucking smart. Well, they end up getting indicted. It becomes a federal investigation. Right. And so this all starts to happen and jumps off and they ended up actually going to trial. And that started in 1925. The investigation, I believe, started later in 1924, but they ended up actually in trial in 1925. Here's the crazy thing about that, though, is that through all of this, like they're getting investigated for stealing people's money, all this stuff. These guys, Fitzpatrick and Osborne, must have been so confident that nothing was going to happen to them because then they actually started like working on the cemetery at this point but they weren't starting by like i don't know do you install grave plots how do you do that i guess you don't predict them well whatever no you don't predict them anyway so what they did was they actually started building this monument which is still there today it is absolutely gorgeous and at the time it cost a hundred and forty thousand dollars to make i do not have my inflation calculator out so i don't know how much that would translate to in today's money but i can tell you it's a fucking lot and honestly it was worth every penny because it's gorgeous. They hired this Italian sculptor to come and, and sculpt it. And it's supposed to be, I think it's called Spanish Revival Style is like the name of it. But it's basically this big um, shrine, so to speak. It wasn't a shrine at the time, but it has this gorgeous dome ceiling that's painted on the inside, blue with gold stars and a gold compass in the middle. And it's this open thing that kind of became like the, the centerpiece to the cemetery and at that time they decided to use it as the entrance i believe that the sculptor actually was buried at this cemetery too and he was actually um kind of on the up and up at the time because he had sculpted a bunch of stuff for a movie including like these like 30 some odd feet like elephant statues it's pretty amazing though i don't know about the elephants i haven't seen them but just like if you really look at this shrine it's called the portal of folded wings You'll see it, and it's absolutely lovely. I'm going to get more into the portal of folded wings to you, for you guys in a minute. I want to get back on track and talk about this trial and all of the bumpy, crazy shit that goes on with it. So old Fitzy and Osborne over here, they're really confident that nothing's going to happen. They hire this Italian dude to start working on this monument, and they're so excited about it. They're going to make it the entrance to the cemetery. They're going to hold concerts there and fucking picnics. They're going to install a water feature. 
they're all about it. Meanwhile, they're being indicted for being assholes. But they really, and they really did do all of these things, though. Like, there was a water feature. It was the entrance. They did have, like, public events here, which in today's day, we would never think of it at that particular cemetery. But there are cemeteries in Los Angeles, like Hollywood Forever, that does host movie nights and all of this other stuff. But Pierce Brothers Valhalla seems to be one of the pioneers of doing that. Anyway, so they did that. Um, and they were all about it, but the federal investigation was opened and they were go, go ahead and they found themselves in court in July of 1925. There was actually two other people that was charged with them. And I don't know who those people were. One of them might've been one of the founder's wives. Cause I know that she was kind of in on it. It could have also been some of their salespeople cause they did employ salespeople to kind of help hustle all, the, all of these guys. Well, they were found guilty. So there's that. And they were sentenced to 10 years in jail. Well, they weren't okay with that. So what did they do? They filed a gajillion motions, had to waste everyone's fucking time, right? This is what like the guilty criminals do. I guess sometimes not guilty people do that too to prove that they're innocent. But we know these guys were guilty. So anyway, this is what these guilty criminals do. Uh, while they have all these motions going to try and get out of it, they end up out on bail. And we're going to dip out on Fitzpatrick for a minute because while Fitzpatrick was a jerk, he wasn't nearly as interesting as this Osborne fellow. So let's focus in on him. He's on bail. You would think he would like make good life choices and be smart and kind of stay below the radar. And honestly, maybe that's what he was trying to do. But he ends up hiring this like male companion manservant assistant guy i think it's called a valet is what they're called anyway he hires this dude whose name is jack gordon and i really like in my mind how i see it is osborne just like you over there i like your mustache come here you're my friend now i'm gonna give you money and i, I just feel like that's how this went and so they're hanging out one night and they're in a hotel somewhere because I guess Osborne doesn't have a house. I don't know. They're partying in a hotel, whatever. Osborne goes into the bathroom and when he comes out, his manservant friend guy, that's Jack Gordon over here, gone. Dude fucking took off. Not only did he ditch Osborne, he robbed him for $800 cash and over $100,000 in bonds. And it's like, that's a dick move. That's a lot of money for back then. But also, why would you have that with you like in a fucking hotel? Like, why would you do that? And also, do we feel bad for Osborne that he got robbed? No, I think that's more like karma. He robbed all those people and scammed all these poor old people and widows and everything else out of their money. Like, excuse me, sir. Fuck you. This is, is exactly what you get. Nonetheless, Osborne actually got scared and went into hiding after this because like he had a lot of creditors and people that wanted money from him. First of all, like, come on, he scammed people for like a gajillion dollars. Uh, but he was also now afraid of of the manservant guy, of Gordon. He was afraid of him, too. Uh, what he didn't know, because he didn't do his homework and just selected this guy because he thought he had a fancy mustache. I don't actually know if that's true, but I'm going to just insert it here for enjoyment purposes. So anyway, you should really do not choose your manservants by their mustache Is is the main, like, moral of the story of this side story here because Jack Gordon was not Jack Gordon at all his name was actually Harold Whitaker and he was like on like the 
America's Most Wanted list, but for different states. So it wasn't like he was nationally wanted, but in a gang of different states, he was on the top of the list as one of the most wanted people for being a con man. And so it's like if Osborne had done his homework, he might have known that. But here's the thing. So he dips out. He liquidates all the shit that he stole, him and his girlfriend. But they get busted. I think I want to say that they're in Cleveland, Chicago, Cleveland. I don't know. They're in one of those places. And he gets busted and he gets arrested and gets extradited back to California. He's put on trial and he's found guilty for stealing the money, blah, 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 blah. He's arrested, right? So while he's in jail in L.A., three months later, he escapes. Good for him. Make it interesting. He was arrested again like a year later, like in New York or something, though. But he did escape from jail and make it all the way across the country. So... I just, I don't know. I shouldn't admire that. I think it's more because we can't really do that anymore. That it's just like such an interesting thing. Like to me, it's just such a shit that happens in movies. So it's wild to think that this actually happened. So anyway, that happens. He gets busted. So that was just like an interesting tidbit. That's what Osborne did while out on bail. So now they're not out on bail. They're back in, in trial and the sentencing is here and all of their appeals and motions were actually ignored. The 10-year sentence is upheld and they are jailed in Kansas. Why in Kansas? I don't know, but they're sent to jail prison maybe. I know that there's a difference between prison and jail. But So they were sent to, to Kansas to fulfill their 10-year uh, sentence. They only did three years though. So... During this time, Osborne, because, you know, he just can't be a good boy and make good life choices, makes friends with this old college football star whose nickname was Rush. And here's what I find interesting is that Rush was a USC player, right? So USC is the big school in Los Angeles. Osborne has the San Fernando Valley's first cemetery. So they're both from LA and they're both serving time for being conmen in Kansas. I just find that interesting. It must have been that that must have been like where the the big jail is or something like that. I don't know. But they they make friends and as I said, Rush was was a con man too. He was actually jailed jailed for for selling stolen bonds. And he kind of said, she like, oh, I know the president. Oh, this and that. I'm really cool. Like, I'm a college football star. Like, you love me. I'm, like, awesome. I'm so well-connected. So Rush ends up getting out of jail and goes back to Los Angeles and finds Osborne's dad, who we are going to call Papa Osborne. Now, Papa Osborne, by all means, seemed to be a pretty decent person and wasn't nearly as shitty as his son. He actually assumed management of the cemetery while Fitzpatrick and baby Osborne were in jail. And he was really trying to do the right thing. He was trying to get the money back to the people that had initially invested it. And he was just doing his best to try and, like, rectify some of these mistakes and kind of, like, preserve his family's name a little bit. Um, So... Rush, the USC football player, finds Papa Osborne and is like, hey, listen, like, I know the president. We're really close. I bet I could talk to him and get your son pardoned. Like, let's try and do that. And then he starts going, well, I can see if the president will maybe put in a good word. But I know some really good lawyers, too. Like, I really think we could get get him released early. Give me $23,000 and I will get this taken care of. And Papa Osborne listens and does it. And it's just like, that really sucks because who knows how much money that guy really had because, again, like, he's hustling. He's trying to get these investors back their money and do the right thing. And then this shit happens. I mean, 
the nice thing about it is that Rush does end up going to jail for scamming Papa Osborne. So at least there's a little bit of justice there. So let's go ahead and we're going to like fast forward here. And Fitzpatrick and Osborne are both released from jail. They're back in Los Angeles. And you want to hear the fucking crazy thing? They're back to work at the cemetery. Because even though they were found guilty of scamming all of these people, I think one of the actual things that they were found guilty of was technically mail fraud. So they must have like been getting these investments handled through the mail. And that's how they like busted it. Anyway they like never lost control of the cemetery like like it should have been taken from them and I feel like the the well I guess it really wasn't worth anything but it should have just been distributed through the people that were invested in it you know anyway that didn't happen they were able to keep all of their money they were able to keep the cemetery so they go the portal of folded wings opens they're partying over there with their picnics and their water features and concerts and shit and then all the funds for the cemetery start getting fucking weird again. Because you have to remember this whole time Papa Osborne was busting his ass to make this a legit establishment. So they start kind of fucking it all up again. Investors are starting to complain again. So finally, the state of California is like, listen, you guys suck. We're taking your cemetery from you. You have to sell it. And California actually took control of the cemetery for a while. Um, but it gets a little bit sadder before the, the sale actually happens. In 1935, Papa Osborne killed himself. And here was some weird thing. He shot himself in the chest. I feel like that's a weird way to, like, kill yourself. Or maybe it's just because we always hear about, like, things. It's always, like, on TV or in movies and stuff where people would shoot themselves in the head. So I just thought this was kind of weird. And I was talking to one of my coworkers and telling them this story. And she kind of brought up, like, some suspicion. Like, really? Do you think he actually killed himself, like he was like giving the money back. He was trying to like make all this right and kind of all the money that his son and his son's business partner had scammed out. He was trying to give it back. So was there probable cause for murder? Perhaps. Did his son and his son's business partner do it? Maybe. I don't know. I wasn't there. It would kind of make sense though. Perhaps. Perhaps. Anyway, so he um, is actually buried at the cemetery too. And I actually want to find his plot because I would like to, like, leave flowers for him. I do feel very sympathetic to him in this story just because I feel like he was trying to do the right thing. And I feel like life just kind of, like, got weird for him, like, after, like, getting involved with his son's business. And through this whole thing, while he was managing the cemetery, he wasn't even getting a salary for it. Like, he was just doing it for free. And this was all around the time, I believe, that the state was starting to make them sell. Here's the weird thing, though. Like, here's the, oh, here's the other part about what makes this kind of suspicious with, like, you know, his shady-ass son, the weird way that he killed himself. He actually got summoned to go to some meeting in Los Angeles, I think in, like, L.A. proper, like, what would be maybe our downtown area, somewhere far away, basically, because that's, like, kind of a trek back then. Um, But after he got called to the meeting, he went home and killed himself. So it's like, what was this meeting? What was really happening? I am intrigued. You think the mafia was in on it at this point? I can totally see how maybe the mafia. All right. I'm just going down like my own conspiracies now. This has nothing to do with anything. But wouldn't it totally make sense if Papa Osborne is just trying to like do the right thing and he's trying to get the money back and like strikes a deal with the mob? Was the mob even in Los Angeles in the 20s? 
it just seems like this this would make sense in, in my head i think i'm kind of like glamorizing this now and i'm seeing this all as like some kind of like fucked up like noir movie where they all have like mid-atlantic accents you know anyway i would like to find where papa osborne was buried so i could leave something to him because i do feel bad so i would like to bring him flowers so the state takes over and ends up selling um selling valhalla to the pierce brothers in 1950 so 1950 that's where we get the name pierce brothers valhalla so originally when fitzpatrick and osborne owned it it was just valhalla now it's pierce brothers valhalla and they had it pierce brothers had it from 1950 to 1958 and when the pierce brothers had it they actually moved the entrance so remember how i was saying the entrance was the portal of folded wings i wasn't called that yet but just like this really badass like monument with these amazing statues they moved it and kept that as like the back of the cemetery and moved it to its new entrance that we see today on Coenga and Vi and Coenga and Victory are the streets. I can't believe I got that wrong. I've grown up in this area. I should know better. So they basically moved it from one end of the cemetery to the other. I don't know why they did that, but it has since stayed that way. They had con they had ownership and control of the cemetery for eight years, and then they went ahead and sold it to Dignity, who still owns it today. So now it's Dignity Pierce Brothers Valhalla. That's actually still the name of it. They've kind of kept the whole thing. And remember how I said that they moved everything from one end to the other? Well, it's a pretty large cemetery, and there's streets on either side that are blocked off. And if you go to the other other street that would technically be on the Burbank side of the cemetery, there's actually a really huge billboard for the cemetery. And I, I just wonder how long it's been there because it looks like it's ancient. I don't know how it's like still in as like legible condition as it is. But I do feel like there's been things throughout the cemetery that have been just kind of left alone, you know. So that is just like the ups and downs of the cemetery itself with like its lineage, which is pretty wild, right? You would think that that's where we're going to stop, but we're fucking not. Because like I said, hold on to your butts because this cemetery is keeping so many fucking secrets. Um, so let's talk about the portal of folded wings real quick. Cause honestly, it really is beautiful. If you're ever in Los Angeles and you like aviation, or if you live in Los Angeles and you need to know a little bit more about Amelia Earhart, take a trip down to San Fernando Valley. North Hollywood is actually where Amelia Earhart is from her house. Her old house is still in Toluca Lake. And because of like this, the aviation that is centered in the valley, because we had Lockheed here, we had Amelia Earhart, all of these things. Someone, I believe it was actually a janitor, maybe someone that worked at the cemetery was like, hey, let's rededicate this, this shrine here to aviation. And that's what they ended up doing. And so now it's called the Portal of Folded Wings. And in the four corners of it are actually like mausoleums like these like small they're almost like the size of like walk-in closets but they have like their monuments to different people that are really known within aviation different pilots and stuff like that and while there aren't any windows in it and you actually can't take a tour there apparently used to be because there's still plaques that say that there's tours even though I've never seen that um, you can kind of peek in sometimes once in a while, like if the doors have like cracks in them or something that haven't been repaired and you can see pictures, models of planes, there's an American flag in one of them. And you can see on the outside on the door, like whose like monument it's to and their ashes are in there. 
So it really does have a lot of like nods to like notable things within aviation and flight. And I think it's kind of cool because the Burbank Airport's right on the other side. So it's kind of beautiful that these pilots final resting place is still where they get to like hear airplanes all day long, you know, because I mean, while anyone that lives near an airport must hate that, I'm sure it's one of their favorite noises, right? Um, it's a really beautiful thing, though. So that's kind of become what the cemetery is known for. So if you look at like the website or the Wikipedia or anything uh, for Pierce Brothers Valhalla, you're not going to see anything about its fucked up past. What you will see is a ton about the portal folded wings, though. You think I was done there, didn't you? Didn't you? Well, I'm fucking not. Because now we're going from 1958 to 1969. And do you want to know what happened in 1969? A small passenger plane, like one of the private ones that you can like rent and like jet off to with like four other people, crashed into the aviation shrine. I'm going to pause here for irony and just let you soak that in. So an airplane crashed into an aviation shrine in a cemetery and guess what? People died. I just feel like, I don't know, I think this Bailey's I'm drinking, guys, is starting to kick in. But I just think that there's just so much irony laced into that, you know. Um, it did a lot of damage to the shrine itself. And so, like, a lot of it within, like, the dome portion, I think what happened was the plane must have not caught enough air as it was taking off or landing at Burbank Airport. I'm assuming that's where it was. And it clipped the dome. And so the dome needed to be replaced and the passen one passenger and the pilot ended up dying. Um, the dome damage um, repairs cost about 70 grand to, to fix. And if you look at pictures of it, because you can actually see pictures of this online. If you look at the current like layout and everything of the cemetery, there's actually like a model space spaceship that's in front of the shrine that is um, a memorial to the Challenger that that blew up, right? Yeah, it blew up. So there's like the shrine to that. But the interesting thing is, is that if you look at the, the pictures of the plane crash online, it looks as though it fell right where the monument to the Challenger is. And so I just thought that was kind of interesting because at first glance, you're like, oh, that's where that Challenger thing is. And you're like, oh, no, that that's a real airplane. Holy shit. So you thought I was done, right? Well, I'm not. I'm not again. Like I told you, this thing's just like really twisted and fucked up considering no one talks about this. Like it's just really steeped in crime and all of this weird stuff. Um, so this one isn't necessarily anything that happened to the cemetery, nor were the cemetery owners being crazy, but some other person was being crazy and this got nuts. So in 1982, there's this dude that lived in Woodland Hills that had originally owned this like lab analysis place in Santa Monica that had closed down. And so he wrote a check and bought like a storage thing. Like, you know, the storage pods that we can like rent now and you see them in people's driveway. Well, he bought one of those with a check. And then about a year or so later, like the company came and repossessed the storage thing, the company he bought it from because the check bounced. He wrote it with a rubber check. So apparently this dude just like wasn't in a good place. He had to close down his lap. He can't write a check for his storage thing. Now it's getting repossessed. So they repossess it and they open it. And you want to know what they find? fetuses fucking fetuses like just shit tons and the people were like holy crap what on earth is this and then it started to make a little bit more sense because he had this lab they're like okay he must have been like doing some kind of testing or something but they thought that they found like 2,000 of them 
right? But as they kept digging, they actually ended up counting upwards of like 16,000 fetuses, all ranging in different ages and stuff like that. Like it was really wild. I'm going to spare you guys that that kind of detail because that's just a lot. But this ends up becoming this really heated topic that lasted for three years in the courts because now we have pro-life people and pro-choice people arguing over whether or not all of these fetuses should have um, have funerals. And then there is also like because of the laws with this of like how old some of these like I'm going to call them specimens because some of this was really taken from like a medical standpoint. They were looking at the specimens and they're like some of these are kind of old. Like I don't know if this is legal. So they were like trying to track down doctors. All sorts of stuff happened. So it was very chaotic. But you want to know the most fucked up part about that and all that chaos. The dude that had them in the storage unit never got in trouble for this. Like, are you serious? Like, it's just, like, legal to, like, just keep that? What? His excuse was that he needed to dispose of it properly, but then his lab lab closed down, so he couldn't, like, dispose of them properly. So, basically, the courts were like, yeah, well, keeping them in a storage unit you can't actually pay for. It seems proper. It's fine. Like, you're off the hook, man. Don't worry about it. So you might be asking how Pierce Brothers kind of comes into play for this and how that comes into play is they heard about this at this point, their dignity. So it still has the same ownership that it does today. They heard about this and they just kind of offered. They're like, well, we'll bury them. You know, we'll, we'll do it. We'll, 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 you know, bury all these things that you guys are fighting over. And that just kind of created even more of an uproar because now it's like, do you bury them in a cemetery? Do you do you give them a funeral? What do you do here? How should this be treated? Um, eventually, a judge ruled that they could be buried in a cemetery, but they could not have any funeral pro- like proceedings. So that was like, I guess, like the mi- middle ground here of like the best of both worlds that the judge could kind of find. I don't believe that they actually got buried at Valhalla. I can't find where they actually were buried. I haven't been able to find that just yet. If I do find it, though, I will uh, post it in the comments with any further information that I find for you guys. Can I just say that when I was researching this, like it got really weird of how often like people were found with like large amounts of like fetuses in places that they shouldn't have. Like some doctor had them in like the trunk of his Mercedes. Like weird shit. People are fucking weird. Anyway. But the cemetery was involved with that a little bit as well because they ended up kind of getting attacked by both sides for offering it. And they were just like, listen, dude, we don't care about your politics. We're just trying to do what we think is the right thing. So it's here if you want it. And so that is some of the wild and crazy history of Pierce Brothers Valhalla Cemetery. Sorry, Dignity Pierce Brothers Valhalla Cemetery. Um This is a place that I have been to since I was a kid because I find cemeteries to be very peaceful. The portal folded wings is so amazingly beautiful. But after knowing this, it, I don't know, it just makes me view it a little differently. You know, this wasn't what I was expecting by any means. So it's just a little wild. So this wasn't supposed to be like a true crime episode by any means for you guys. It's supposed to be a haunted one. So why did I choose this? Well, I used to really enjoy spending time in the mausoleums, and that was one of the things I would like to do is early in the morning, I would take my coffee, I would take my notebook, and I would stroll through the mausoleums, especially in the summer, because in Los Angeles, it gets really hot really fast, but the mausoleums would always be nice and cool. 
and I would always go to the same one and I forget the name of it because they all have different names and I would like stare at like the different plaques of the people that were buried in them and kind of like learn their names and stuff like that occasionally I would sip my coffee and like write I was working on a story at the time and I felt really like comfortable doing this and it became my daily routine and I just loved it um, and it was in the dead of summer. It was probably August. So if any of you guys have been to Los Angeles or are from here, you know, August is like savage. It's really, really hot. It's really still. There's no wind. And there wasn't actually windows in the mausoleum. It's like this really heavy plastic sheeting in place of windows and something like the like it just got cold it went from being chilly to like cold and something slammed up against the window and it just scared the bejesus out of me and then I go to try and run out of the mausoleum and the fucking gate was closed like it was locked and it it took a minute for me like a panic you know maybe like in hindsight maybe I was just panicking and just like not like opening it right like you know how like in the horror movie you're running away from the killer you always trip it might have been something like that but I swear I was locked in it and it was really fucking scary and it felt like it lasted forever it was probably less than a minute that all of us jumped out jumped off but it was terrifying um I obviously got out and made it out because here I am today but it gets a little weirder because then me being stupid and needing to poke the fucking bear, I go back and I want to go back to this mausoleum again. And then there was a lock on it. And there's been a lock on it every time since that I've gone and you can't get into it. I haven't tried to even look in a couple years. And just thinking about it now kind of gives me the heebie-jeebies. So I'm not one that always thinks that cemeteries are haunted, but I definitely had an experience there. And, you know, upon reflection, I, I feel like I was hanging out there a little bit too much. I was like looking at the names of the people that were buried there too much. And I think they were kind of like, hey, get the fuck out. I really think it was something like that. Almost like I was I was disturbing their rest, not meaning to. That's kind of how I took it, like get the fuck out. So I got the fuck out of there. I do wonder if there's people that um, were some of the original investors that sunk so much money into this place, if they ended up getting buried here. And if they did, like, who were they? I think just, like, their identities are probably protected, so we wouldn't be able to know, like, who was buried there in that sense. But I can see how that would actually, like create a couple different hauntings because how resentful I know I would be resentful if someone scammed me out of all of my money for something like that and then I still had to go to spend eternity there I mean granted it's just your body it's not your spirit but I'd be pretty fucking mad so I can definitely see how that's got some wild energy to it and how that that could create some hauntings and Papa Osborne's there and I'm pretty sure his spirit has some secrets that he took to the grave with him you know Last thing I want to say about this that is a little bit kind of happier is that this place does have a lot of notable celebrities from theater and TV and stuff like that buried there. Um, I can't remember his first name, but it was one of the guys from Laurel and Hardy. He's buried there. And I feel like he's like the most notable one, that, oh, at least for me, like when I looked at the list of celebrities buried there, I was like, oh, I know that one. So he's buried there. So there are some celebrities there. I mean, if you want to go see like celebrity graves, Pierce Valhalla is not the one to go to in Los Angeles. Um, it would be more like going to Hollywood Forest Lawn or Hollywood Forever Cemetery would be the ways to go. And maybe one day I will do an episode on either of those cemeteries, but I'm sure that they have a lot of history to dig through too, just like this one did. Um, 
I have a whole new view of this cemetery. I have a whole new respect for it, kind of, that it's just kind of persevered and that it's still there and it's really beautiful and it's cleaned itself up and now it has like just these beautiful fountains and all of this beautiful stuff. They're working on it more and more every time I go. There's new statues and all sorts of stuff there. So they're definitely like it's definitely getting a facelift. But just to think of just how it was like founded is just kind of mind blowing when you really think of all of the ups and downs of this. So thank you guys so much for listening in with me. I hope you guys held on to your butts. I hope that was spooky and I hope that it spoke to any of you guys that are into true crime because it definitely did to me. So there you guys go. You guys get haunted stuff and true crime all in one happy little accident. Enjoy and I will talk to all of you guys with another spooky story next month. Merry meet, merry part, and merry meet again.